welcome to the podcast. I'm Ajeline. And I'm Gracie. And this is called The Feminist Critique. But that's where the two of us, we take a movie, we put it to both feminist and inclusive tests, and then we ask the most important question of them all, is the movie good? And this week, we are doing Daughters of the Dust. Yes, it is the first in our series for Black History Month. We're focusing on black female directors. And what better way to start the month off with the first movie to receive a theatrical release with a black female director. And uh, I'm excited to talk about this movie. So I'm pretty excited, too. Uh, I will say, though, the fact that it took till 1991 for that to happen is ridiculous. Yeah, and this wasn't even a super popular movie. Um, This movie, uh, the budget was very minimal. It was an independent film. It premiered at Sundance. Uh, I think when it had its theatrical release, it ended up only making like $1.5 million. Um, But that wasn't the point of the movie. So it wasn't really meant to make money. It was meant to make a statement. And another great thing about this movie is it's really a love letter. I can't talk. It's really a love letter to Gullah Geechee culture. And I'm from South Carolina, and it's very rare that I get a movie that we talk about that involves culture from the state I grew up in. So Mm -hmm. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, give you some stats and then we'll start talking about the movie. Sound good to you? Yeah. All right. I mean, that's kind of the point of this podcast. A little maybe. bit. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so this movie yeah. has a Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> score of 98% critical and 65% audience. It was directed and written by Julie Dash. Uh, she did a TV movie called The Rosa Parks Story. She also did another independent movie called Incognito. Uh, it stars Cora Lee Day as Nana Pazant. She was in What's Love Got to Do With It and My Brother's Wedding. Cheryl Lynn Bruce plays Viola. She was in Separate But Equal in Stranger Than Fiction. Alva Rogers plays Ula. She was in School Days. Uh, Barbara plays Yellow Mary. She was in Bush Mama and Mute Love. Uh, Bonnie Turpin plays Iona. She's been in a lot of TV shows um, as guest spots. Also was in the movie Crossroads. She played, uh, gosh, what's her name? (laughs) Gamora. I can't think of her name. (laughs) Uh, She played... Oh, her mother? Yeah, her mother. Um, Okay. uh, Casey Moore plays Hagar. She was in Killer Sheep, Bless Their Little Hearts. Uh, Trula Housier was also in this movie. She plays Trula. She was in The Ballad of the Sad Cafe and Sidewalk Stories. Um, most of these women don't have a huge career, but that's okay. Um, uh, the, the one with the most work is actually Bonnie Turpin, so. Um, oh, okay. Uh, now, this movie is going to be, I think, an interesting talk, because there really isn't a narrative. No. Um, I mean, it's... So the basic narrative is it's set in 1902, and it's the f- members of... Uh, the Pazan, Pazan, Pazan family, who you know they uh, they're from the island of uh, Saint Simmons, Saint Simmons Island, right? Mm-hmm. Which is supposedly off or 
It is off the Georgia coast. Yeah. Sorry. It's uh, um, it's right off the coast near Savannah, so it's right on the border. So this is um, about them who they, they've lived all their lives uh, on this island. A lot of, uh, they are uh, descendants from um, our ancestors. Their ancestors were enslaved um like not that long ago right Mm -hmm. and uh, they have developed their own language their own um customs that come from uh the west africa right right? and and they've kept that uh within their um their small community but they are leaving to go to the mainland to go up north um, so that they're able to, you know, get jobs and um, grow their family. Yes, exactly. Um, they they kind of want to just do away with the traditional lifestyle that they're stuck in. They want a new start. And uh, the north has been said to be this land of milk and honey. Like, that's one of the lines that's used in the film is, you know... Because uh, Nana Pazant is like, you know, you think it's going to be a land of milk and honey, but it isn't. You're still going to have trials and struggles. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the main focuses of the movie is on uh, a character called Eula. And Eula is pregnant. She was raped by a white man when she and her husband were on the mainland. Um, Yeah. Her husband's name is Eli. He's also um, a, a prominent character that you see throughout the movie. But essentially, it's the last 24 hours that the majority of the family is going to be on the island. And it's really just this love story, I believe, to Gullah Geechee culture. There's a lot of it. Um, <laughs> a lot of it is represented uh, in these, like, almost vignette-style stories throughout the movie. That's the thing. This movie, um, I will admit, when I started watching this movie, I was like, man, this is, like, a boring movie. But I found that that was... Uh, not that it was boring, but I found that there was a charm to this movie. It was almost dreamlike. Which is the point. And I, yeah, which is what I loved about this movie. Um, as I, you know, continued to watch it. And I, I did have to look up some things because I was I was a little bit confused. But um, so the movie is narrated by the unborn child, which is supposed the future daughter of Eli and Ula, mm-hmm. right? And their voice or the unborn child's voice is, you know, describing what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's the main narrator. But you also mm-hmm. get narration from Nana Pazant. And one yes. of... And that's the whole circular storytelling is part of the purpose because in Gullah Geechee culture, sometimes stories aren't necessarily linear. They don't necessarily have a true beginning or a true ending. They just have a body, if that makes sense. And yeah, and so you get this very non-linear sort of thing. Like there are different threads that are attached to this this idea that you know they're leaving, and. Uh, one of the best parts of the movie, I think, for me, is the part where Ula is standing on the edge of the river, and she's talking about the mass suicide of Igbo slaves. 
Um, it happens later on in the movie, but it's it's so good, and it's true. That's a true story. Um, uh, what happened with the Igbo slaves? Uh, there's a place um, on Saint Helen Saint Helen's Island, I believe, called Igbo Landing, which is where this movie is supposed to be based, and. The Igbo landing is where 75 or so uh, Africans were chained up together. Um, They were sold to this plantation owner. And what they ended up doing, um, this happened in 1803. Uh, They took control of a slave ship. They refused to submit to the slavery. And after the boat ran aground, they were faced with returning as slaves or dying. And so they walked hand in hand uh, into the water and drowned themselves. While singing, the water spirit brought us, the water spirit will take us home. So that's a real thing that happened. Something I was not taught in school, by the way. Wow. Yeah. I. Wow. Powerful shit. I... Yeah, I think that is. It just kind of shows that, hey, um, <laughs> there's there's some. Ra- <laughs> Sorry, I'm not very elegant. Okay, I'm not very eloquent when I say these things, but it really is. It, it brings home that you know idea of like when there's some white person who ends up saying, "Oh, well, like not all slave masters were mean to their slave." Still, that's not that- the point. That's not the point, and you still own somebody. So that really, like that story, and the the fact that you know they chose that, yeah, like says a lot. Yeah. Um. Another thing that they mentioned in the movie, which is actually true, is that, um, you know, the uh, you know uh, one of the things. Uh, I think that Nana Pazant says is just before the war, they're still running and hiding saltwater Africans. When they say saltwater Africans, they mean actual African men and women who came from Africa, right? Um, So it's really true that even though the slave trade legally ended in the States in, I believe, the 30s, there was still a black market to Africa to get slaves from Africa and brought to the U.S., even though it was illegal. So Uh, they would use these border islands along the coast, especially between Georgia and North Carolina, to hide actual African people that they had brought over to sell into slavery. I didn't know that yeah that's actually true so okay so they weren't allowed to bring new slaves no into oh no and i i can't remember the exact year but it was uh the 1830s at some point where the african slave trade was deemed illegal and you could no longer um have slave ships transporting slaves to the united states from africa you could only buy and sell slaves if they were born in the U.S. But 
like anything, there was a black market for that sort of thing. Just like slavery is still around today, just in a different way. There's always a black market for horrible things. So that's what they were doing. They were still kidnapping African men and women and forcing them onto these border islands to hide them and then selling them still even months before the war started. Wow. Yeah. Um, So then it also shows, too, that um, Nana uh, Pazan, her character is, you know, showing the old ways and showing that, like, sorry. It's okay. I don't mean to, like... This movie is very emotional. Okay, so, yeah, she is the matriarch of the family. She's, like, she... I can't think of the word. Like... She's traditional? She she represents, like, the old way, the traditions. Right. Like, that's... Her character represents... That's what I meant. Um, Where the words of the unborn child represents, like, the new life and, like... The future. The the future. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then... Like, these two, you know, contrasting voices together, uh, like, represent this, you know, time period. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's another contrasting uh, part in this movie, and that is two cousins. Uh, one is uh, Viola. 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 And, uh, she, Viola. Mm-hmm. and uh, she is a devout Christian. And then there is Yellow Mary, who is a free spirit who brought her lover... Trula, a woman, to a woman <laughs> from this city. Yeah, a woman. They're they're in a Boston marriage. Yeah, for sure. Um, and Mary's got a very tragic sort of story, right? Yeah, like um, you get little bits and pieces throughout that you end up having to put together. But Yellow Mary was, you know, there's this thing where if a if a black woman was lighter of skin tone, they would call her yellow or high yellow. And if you were yellow or high yellow, there was a better chance of you being treated better, right? Not necessarily, but it's the same as some Creole women would pass themselves as white in order to survive. Uh, so it's it's just a thing that some women did to survive in the circumstances. Um, that they were given as black women in the South. And, and the other thing, too, is she uh, she says, like, that she had lost her child. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so I guess she had been married, lost her child, and because... They needed money. Um, yeah. And her breasts were filled with milk. She went and became, like, a wet nurse to a wealthy family who took her to Cuba Um but, like, wouldn't let her leave. So I, I'm i not sure exactly, but I think Cuba still allowed slavery mm-hmm. till a certain time period. So I think she was a slave in Cuba. Yeah, because she, she says that, you know, they, they took me with them. Um, and then that's when they, uh, what's the word that they kept using? Ruined her, you know? Like, yeah. they gave her all of these pretty things. They spoiled her, that kind of thing. Um, but ruined also has another meaning, whereas, you know, like, that's something that happens later on in the film. 
Uh, but essentially they said that, you know, she was corrupted by it. Um, and then she decided she didn't want to be with them anymore. She she was she was being held captive by this family to work as a wet nurse for their child. So she yeah. forced her milk to dry up. And then when she no longer could provide for them, they immediately turned her out. Yeah. Like, she was immediately cut off as soon as she couldn't provide for the white family anymore. They didn't give a shit. Um, and she's a survivor. She said, you know, I've I've been a lot of places. I've roamed a lot, you know, but I've learned. I've survived. Well, that's why she has uh, Saint, I want to say Christopher. Saint Christopher, the patron saint yeah. of uh, travelers. A traveler. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and there is that weird contrasting thing, too, because there are, we're seeing different religions in this, uh, at this point. Islam, there is, Catholicism, Protestantism, yes. and, uh, yeah. and Gullah Geechee, like, culture as a whole, which is kind of like a mix. So. Yeah. Like, hoodoo. Yeah, so, I, I found that very interesting as well from this movie. Um, so, uh, the other thing that, uh, there yellow mary ends up spending a lot of time with uh eula mm-hmm. right during this time period right because eula is pregnant with the with the unborn child um and um i'm gonna talk about it because i gotta but uh yellow mary plans to go to nova scotia yep which makes a lot of sense now this is the turn of the century it's like 1902 yeah um so the reason why this makes sense is because there is a very um, rich history of uh, black culture in Nova Scotia. Uh, the Prestons is one of the largest communities in uh, in Canada that is black, mm-hmm. um, black Nova Scotian, uh, out in Cherrybrook, and it's it's out. And then they used to at this time period they would have had Africaville. Which is, um, that's a sad story in itself, because mm-hmm. um, they built that bridge instead. But um, anyway, so her coming to Nova Scotia is, like, makes a lot of sense, mm-hmm. because there is a huge community. Yeah. Especially during this time period. There's a lot, there's a lot of historical accuracy, and I appreciate that in a period piece mm-hmm. film. Like... A lot of it was very, very historically accurate. One of the things that I thought was a really small detail that not a lot of people might not have known if they didn't grow up learning about crops in South Carolina is the fact that Nana Pazant's hands are black. And it's from indigo dye because indigo and cotton and tobacco were the cash crops of Carolina indigo was used to dye fabrics for royalty and rich people yeah um you know it's royal blue right that's the color so that's why because it wasn't just her hands it was several the uh, older generation uh, yeah yeah you know um so their hands were dyed black from indigo dye uh, that's just a small thing. There's also a scene which is really small for someone who doesn't know anything about, like, uh, you know, rice was also another huge, uh, cash crop, especially along the coast. Um, mm-hmm. and there's this part where you see them using this big, huge log in a tree trunk, right? And they're smashing something. 
Yeah. Okay, that was where they were breaking off the hard hulls around rice. Because rice doesn't come as it comes in a bag for, you know, you when you when you get it. Uh, there's little, it doesn't? No, there's little tiny holes on it that have to be smashed off before you can cook it. Um, that's why wild rice uh, has, like, the black holes on it. Oh. Yeah, so the, what they were doing were they were breaking the holes off of the rice. So that's, that's just one of those little weird things, you know, like you wouldn't know if you hadn't learned about rice planting uh, by going to Brook Green Gardens every single year for a field trip. <laughs> well, we didn't go to the rice museum, so I didn't get to learn about rice. Oh, well, next time. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, there's... Um, there's a lot of, like, different parts from this uh, movie. There's also another character, uh, Mr. Sneed, who is a mainland photographer taking pictures. And he's of, fascinated. Uh, yes. <laughs> and he's also in love with one of the uh, women. Viola. Viola. Yeah. Okay. The very strict Protestant. <laughs> yes. She was very scandalized uh, by her grandmother's use of, like, herbs and stuff. <laughs> There was also the other thing, too, that uh, you didn't mention, but uh, Nana Pizzazz uh, was making a grass. Um, yeah, she's weaving a sweet grass basket. Yes, sweet grass, mm-hmm. which uh, we, <laughs> they're everywhere in South Carolina. And when I say everywhere, I mean everywhere. Like, I ended up going and buying a few uh, to bring back home. Oh, tell us the story, Ashleen. Oh dear! Tell us the okay. story. Let's go off on a tangent real quick, because Ashley uh, Ashley came down here, and the first time she came down here, I took her along uh, seventeen, which is the Sweetgrass Basket Highway, uh, heading towards Charleston. Um, and there are there are like a lot of um, stalls, like stalls, right now. Most of them were not open that day, but it there was, was one early March, and it was cold. Yes. Well, cold for us. Cold. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so we were driving along there and we stop and there's this uh, older woman. Um, and because we had stopped and I had a Nova Scotia license plate, the couple that also stopped were from Ontario and they were like, oh, uh, and that Gracie had mentioned about how she was, you know, from the area. So, of course, they ask the question how do y'all meet <laughs> and, and we were just like online um the internet and oh lord this woman she was scandalized she looked like the women who were in, in this movie were like they were scandalized by yellow mary yeah like, she, she reminded like, me a lot of uh, the character of hagar <laughs> Like, yeah. and, and she also had the accent, right? Like, she was definitely someone who had come from a Gullah Geechee background because she had a certain lilt and tone to her voice when she spoke. Um, what's so sad about the Sweetgrass Baskets is that not a lot of people do them anymore. Like, it used to be that the it was the entire highway was, like, lined with stalls. And now you'll be lucky even in the, even in the summer to see more than four or five open. So really? it's just a dying art. You know, it's it's just unfortunate. Um, like, we do have a Gullah Museum uh, in my town where I'm from, um, but it's only open during the summer months when there are tourists. Uh, and because I was going to try and get in touch with the 
the uh, curator, but it's closed so I wasn't able to <laughs> uh, before this because I wanted to get as much information as I possibly could about it um, because even though well yeah because you wanted you wanted to you know give um, give this episode a little personal touch <laughs> exactly um, so th- there are like these many stories that we are hearing um, there's also the um the the one daughter Iona who longs to be with her secret lover who is um, indigenous indigenous yeah yeah yep. he has no speaking lines at all he he doesn't he just looks uh, but very he, handsome on his horse <laughs> no it didn't he write her uh, he did write he her write, a note at the very beginning yeah so he technically has speaking lines but anyways he he's not gonna leave the island right no. even though. The family wa- is leaving the island, and Iona doesn't want to leave the no, island. No, because, because she loves him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think at the end of the movie, he ends up, like, riding up as they're about to depart. And then she's like, screw you, mom. And she jumps onto the dock I'm and runs out. after him. She chooses love over her family. Which I think was interesting, because Hagar was the only one... Of the entire group leaving, who did not embrace Nana Pazant's um, herbs. Like, she had made this bundle right before they left and attached it to a Bible. And then was asking all of them to kiss it so that they would, you know, take... By kissing it, they would take a piece of it with them so that they would always carry their home within them. Right? They would carry their home and their history within them. Hagar was the only one who didn't kiss it. And what ends up happening? Iona decides to leave her mother and her family and stay behind to be with her lover. Yeah. I'm just saying. Maybe she should have kissed it. <laughs> I guess. I guess. I, um, <laughs> uh, one of the other things that you keep seeing throughout the movie is the older generation teaching the younger generation what they can recall. Um, mm-hmm. One of the ladies uh, was teaching the children a different African words for things like pot and, uh, you know, water and stuff. And the kids were repeating it and she was putting okra on their temples, you know. Um, another thing was the food that was used in this movie. You got gumbo, soft shell crab. Corn on the cob, cornbread, watermelon, shrimp, collards. This is very, um, very Gullah cuisine. Uh, yeah, a lot of um, a lot of stuff like okra came over with African slaves, uh, and then was used as a crop here. You know, so it's a, it's just like I said, this movie is a love letter to Gullah Geechee culture. Uh, and I enjoyed it for that reason. <laughs> it was... That's the thing. Like, it it was a beautiful movie. Like, the, the landscapes, like, the sweeping landscapes, and then the dreamlike sequence, and it just... It was an absolutely beautiful movie. Yeah, I, I think the best parts of the film, or the best part of the film for me, is when... Ula gets up after Hagar has been talking shit about Mary 
and how ruined she is. And she gets up and she starts to speak from her heart. And Eli, her husband, is like, yes, tell them. And, you know, she goes, there was never a pure woman. Like, we carry all of this within us as women. Like, we we guilt ourselves and we hurt ourselves and hurt others, you know, and accuse each other of being turnt and ruined. And, you know, it's how we were raised to think. And deep inside, we think you know the world and god will end up protecting us from change but we have to protect ourselves and you know like she lays into hagar mostly for you know Mm -hmm. complaining about the stuff that mary did to survive and the fact that mary has brought a woman lover like how dare she like hagar is very against that and ula is like you can shut your you know shut the fuck up because she's still family like it's very beautiful and passionate and then she ends up you know if you love yourself then love yellow mary because she is a part of you as we are all a part of our mothers the idea of family and blood is so important in this movie it's so important um even nana pazant talks uh about how you know it used to be in Africa there would be one person like a scribe who wouldn't write anything down but would keep the histories of people of the people of the village and she said that's my job you know I carry all of these stories I remember and I want to teach them to you but the new generation doesn't want to do that right yeah (laughs) very typical right like these kids just don't understand you know they're ungrateful like, <laughs> uh, which in this case they really are, but also they don't want to deal with the well, scars that, of their past. Well, that's the thing. A lot of uh, a few of um, the younger ones were saying about how Nana Pazaz is like a strange one, and then they said the same thing about uh, Ula and how she was so strange. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and uh, um, Bella was where Bella Muhammad. Yeah. Um the the Arabic guy who was a quote unquote saltwater African. He had been forced here from Africa. You yeah. know? Um he he said he was on the very last slave ship, the Wanderer, you know, cuz he ends up telling uh what's his face, the camera guy his story. So. Yeah, cuz there's a part where um somebody told the 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 guy with the camera like about him and then he goes and seeks him out to you know get that information right yeah and he tells like that story about how he was on one of the last you know slave ships and um so in the end uh ula and eli decide to stay on the island with uh nana pizzazz mm-hmm. and raise their daughter mm-hmm on the island um another person who decides to stay is yellow mary and her lover ends up leaving yeah and then iona of course decides to stay with her indigenous lover uh so i mean that's it that's the movie it's it's two hours long um but it's really not a a narrative like we said it's just kind of a 
a love story to a culture that is dying even now Mm -hmm. um it was dying then it's gotten even worse now like you still have a subset of people um especially in the lower parts of south carolina or on the islands that uh you know that are teaching their children this stuff but it's not as prevalent as it was years ago um Mm -hmm. we actually have a border island uh near brook green gardens um uh called sandy island which is the only island in south carolina that has a state certified school boat (laughs) instead of a school bus a what school boat a school boat school boat yes they have a school boat is it yellow it is Oh my god! <laughs> it is indeed. That's the only one in the world. It's the only one in South Carolina. Uh, uh, another um, interesting, uh, like local author is Pat Conroy, who was a teacher and taught on these border islands, like Sullivan's Islands and Edisto and stuff like that. Um, he was a white man who became a teacher to these out- outerlying islands. Um, and again, not a lot of them are inhabited uh, by members of Gullah Geechee culture anymore. The The number of Gullah Geechee people who still live on these islands are very small, uh, which is a shame. Um, also, a lot of these islands uh, are brought up by developers and <laughs> turned into great resorts. Um, though a few of them are still sanctuaries, so. It's like Hilton Head Island used to be a swamp, and now it's, like, for the uber rich. So. Gross. Yep. Yep. Um, I just, I just appreciated the movie for its love of the place where I grew up. And its unapologetic look. You know, it's unapologetic about it, and I appreciate that. And I think a lot of people will find that they don't particularly care for it. For me, it it has a special place because it's my home, you know? Um, And it's nice to see my home represented in, uh, in the eyes of someone who is not white. So. Yeah. Because when we eventually do what's his face and we do the patriot yeah that's gonna be fun (laughs) oh boy i'm excited not uh because there's only three movies that i can think of off the top of my head that deal with south carolina and use south carolina as a backdrop and it's this movie the notebook and the patriot (laughs) sweet jesus yeah so what about uh, that little part in uh, Fifty Shades of Grey? Oh. Oh, wait. No, that was supposed to be Savannah. <laughs> your, your part. That's that's Charleston. I was so pissed. <laughs> I did. I called Ashley like, after I left the theater because I had a free ticket to see it. It's the only reason I went to watch it in theaters. And I called Ashley. I was so pissed. I was like, they yeah. can't even film Savannah. They filmed Charleston. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh. So this movie, uh, 
it doesn't really have a lot of trivia. No, like, um, it's got a. The only it's got a little bit. The only trivia I'm going to mention is the fact that Beyonce used a lot of the same visuals uh, and reinterpreted them for her visual album Lemonade. Um, the other thing I'm going to mention is that this movie was selected to the Library of Congress National Registry, which means a film. In 2004. Which means there will always be a copy readily available in the archives. Not every movie gets archived at Library of Congress. The fact that this little engine that could did is amazing to me. So, it's, uh, it, when, when they archive stuff at Library of Congress, it's because of, of its historical significance. And I feel like this film is very historically significant, not only for what it portrays, but also for the fact that it is the first theatrically released movie with a black female director so yeah uh i i love it um now tests right so we've got our bechdel test which is two named female characters on screen alone talking about something other than a man it is a pass then we have the racial bechdel test where it's two non-white characters on screen alone talking about something other than a white person. Happens all the time. There's not a single white person in this movie. So it passes. Then we have the Macomori test. You have women who have storylines that aren't based on pushing a male narrative forward. Uh, it, it passes. Then you have DuVernay. Do you have people of color whose storyline isn't about pushing white narrative forward? It passes. Sexy lamp test. Could you replace any of the women with a sexy lamp and a takeaway from the story? I think that each woman is a certain component of the story itself, and to replace one of the components would be to replace the entire story, so I'm going to say it passes. And then we have the Vito Russo test. Do you have someone in this film who is a gender, sexuality, or romantic minority who matters to the plot and are more than a stereotype, and Yellow Mary is at the very least bisexual? She has a female lover. And she matters to the plot, and she is not at all used as a stereotype. Like, not at like all. all. So, at all. this is the second movie in, to pass. in three years that passes all six tests. Yep. The second. Yeah. The second. The first one was Saving Face. Uh-huh. And, um... Hidden Figures yeah, passed all it. but Vito Russo because we weren't doing Vito Russo at the time. Yeah. So, so second movie to pass everything. We have done over 100 movies. We're almost at 120. Yep. Yep. Second. Two out of 120. Yeah. Two. Uh. And, and this movie doesn't like... It, like, it's not in your face about it or you know what i mean like how some movies well obviously this movie came out like before you oh know, you mean like weird- how there's a uh, gay representation in the new star wars film and it's two non-important characters who kiss each other and we're supposed to go yeah. oh yay happy yeah instead of you know doing what uh oscar isaac and john boyega wanted you to do and make fenpo a reality yeah, that's the thing. This movie, 
it was fantastic and it was and i just can't believe two movies two we're here two uh which there is a chance that we might end up passing some more you know we're looking at uh female directors this month uh mm-hmm. i think next week we're going to be doing eve's bayou so that's going to be interesting uh, we're also doing Queen and Slim, and there's one more, but I can't think of it. Uh, but I think next week we're doing Eve's Bayou. Okay. so Sounds good. Yep. Uh, I hope you guys have a fantastic week. Um, also, we do have another podcast, uh, Disney Dives. You should totally check it out. Uh, a little more clean. Yes. Uh, <laughs> a little, little bit more clean. <laughs> Ajeline curses every single episode. <laughs> I try not to. I just I got a I tried not to today, but I I got I got passionate. Okay? Um I get passionate sometimes and I just swear like a sailor. Yeah, uh it is available on iTunes and Spotify. Um and we are going to share a preview episode on this feed for you to check it out. Um so hopefully you guys like it. Uh, yep. Uh, also, check out our stuff online. Yeah, like Twitter and all that stuff. This all that stuff that's at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Oh no, we don't put that in there. No. Oh, we don't. See, I don't add it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah, I took it out. So uh, we should probably start doing that at the end again, <laughs> or at the beginning. I don't know. Whatever. Okay. Well, check us out wherever. Okay. Anyways. <laughs>